going on, A-Cash? Yo, what's up, D? How's it going? Sweet, 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 sweet. Man, you ready to do this, man? Yeah, dude, I'm excited. Let's do it. Okay, cool. So I'm just going to get right to it. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Derek D. Wild, man. I'm doing another episode of the Detroit Chess Killers podcast. And I got my homeboy on here. You follow me. You heard me hype him up. Said I wanted to play James Candy. Now he's playing Lionel Davis. Go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. What's up, everybody? I'm, uh, my name is Akash. A lot of people call me A-Cash, A-Cash Money. That's my Lee Chess handle as well. I'm a friend of D's, a big fan of the Detroit Chess Killers podcast, and um, here to lay down some words for the upcoming match. <laughs> okay, so let me get to it. What do you think about Lionel Davis chess style? Because he, he plays this weird, weird stuff. And what do you have, not give it away, what do you have in store for him tomorrow? Yeah, so he has he has a very peculiar style for sure. Um, I think he refers to it as ultra modern theory or some something like that. Right. And I'm honestly not worried about it at all. Um, for those that have followed the way that I play chess, I'm very comfortable in the messy kind of chaotic positions. Actually, it's it's when a player is super positionally sound that I can have some troubles. But um, I'm I'm ready to throw down in the mud with him. So I think it'll be an exciting match for the viewers. Okay, I'm gonna pick up off that because I know I said a lot on Facebook Live. I said Lionel Davis be bullying chess players, and I heard nobody would challenge him. What made you jump out and say, "Well, you know, hey, DI play him." Yeah, so I, I think I was I was watching that live stream that you were doing, and I while I was watching it, I, I thought to myself, who is this Lionel Davis dude? Because I'd never heard of him before. I guess we were Facebook friends, but you know how it is. Uh, chess players just accept anybody's friend request that's a chess player. And so, yeah, I looked him up on uschess.org's MSA page, saw that he was a master, and... I know that you've been trying to hype up this match uh, between me and Canty, so I thought to myself, okay, the Canty match is probably the main course, so I need an appetizer before then. So that's why that's why I stepped up to play Lionel. Okay, so cool, cool. I, I appreciate you for that. I'm cash after you like breakfast dinner on me. <laughs> after the match, win, lose, draw, got you. I got another question. Why do you think, in your opinion, that nobody would jump out to play Lionel Davis. Well, the dude talks a big game. Um, I, I, so first of all, let's let's talk about maybe his his Facebook comments. Um, right. I I don't know if that dude knows that there's a caps lock button. I don't think I've ever seen him use a lowercase letter. <laughs> so when he's messaging people, and responding to. He straight up sounds like a little bit of a crazy person. And I feel like when you when you message with all caps, you just sort of scare people away um, sometimes. So I think that's one thing. Mm -hmm. And another thing, and, you know, I accepted this match without this knowledge before, but I was watching one of the videos he did that he posted to his Facebook wall. And... That dude has a big head. He's, I think he, he, he thinks so highly of his game. And he was talking, he was spitting some nonsense about how all of these grandmasters and super grandmasters are just trash chess players. And they've been stealing his ideas for years and years and years. And I don't know, that level of disrespect when you're only a national master it's kind of ridiculous in my opinion, and so I'm going to show him. He can throw all his ultra-modern theory or whatever he wants to call it, he wants at me. But if he can't even get past me, I don't know what he's... He's, he's been talking out of line for, it seems like, a while. Okay, now pick up off that. He's from, from my, me doing my research, he's from Buffalo, New York. And all the chess players that I know 
from Facebook from Buffalo, New York says he's like their guy, their two-go guy, and say that he's really legit. What do you think about them telling me that? Well, so let me, I'm going to pull up uh, Google Maps right now because most of the, I do know Mark Johnson, um, one of the players that competed in the National Blitz League is from Buffalo, but I I don't know too many Buffalo players, but my my thoughts on this are like if you're from New York, right? The the real killers in New York are probably in New York City, you know. Right. And there's always you know the local top dogs, and Lionel might be the top dog in Buffalo, but honestly, I don't think that's saying that much compared like compared to if you're one of the top dogs, if you're one of the killers in New York City then you got to give that respect where respect is due. But, uh, I mean, Buffalo is Buffalo. <laughs> I, I, I get what you, I get what you coming from. Now I had said this on the live, what would happen if y'all playing and he's playing this ultra, ultra modern stuff. And let's say you get a two, three game lead. And then he starts switch. He switches to playing standard opening chess and opening theory. I believe if that happens, that's already a win for you in the first case do you agree i think that'll i think that'll be interesting and i i haven't really seen him play too many normal things to be honest like i was looking through like some of his recent games and as white he usually starts off with like d3 knight d2 knight gf3 that stuff um but if it, if it does go down that path where he he chooses to switch it up i'm totally comfortable switching that up like when i was playing my cage match against um national master bach <laughs> from the orlando chicago team match um i mean i was playing all sorts of crazy nonsense like the grob and the borg and i, I mean i still stuck to it for the most part but i realized that the kid was super super positionally sound like a very mature player even though he was like 11 or 12 years old um and then i had to switch it up and play more positionally more solidly against him and that's kind of what drove the comeback in that match so if lionel wants to switch it up he's totally welcome to do it but i think you know i i sort of have my some doubts on whether or not that'll happen you know he's he talks all about this ultra modern theory, and I mean, if he wants to prove it's worth, he better he better bring it because I mean, I don't think I don't think he can play proper chess. Okay, now another question I had said on stream is y'all agreed to thirty bullet games. Why not the standard half and half? Well, I think in his case, I mean. If I if I recall looking at his Bubba Fisher Lee Chess account, his blitz rating is like nineteen something. Um, mine is like twenty four something. So I mean that's a five hundred point difference. So I'm pretty sure like if it's bullet, it's there's no contest. Um, or if it's only if it's blitz, um, if it's only bullet, maybe there are some chances with him. Um, but my boy Nathan Kelly just came up to me and asked if I was interested in a 30-game bullet match. And um, one thing that stuck out to me about the Chicago-Caribbean match was all these all these players saying, oh, we we need this time control, we need that time control. No, no, no. Like, just play whatever is given to you. So I'm... I'm totally cool with just bullet, 30 games of bullet. That's That should be fun. Um, there's no excuses about switching a time control. So um, I think it'll I think it'll be exciting. Okay, now I'm pick off that. Now, both of y'all are national masters. And me looking at it, I'm, I'm not even 2,000 yet. I'm 1,900. But two national masters, and you telling me y'all can't play blitz because his rating is so low, that just seems kind of, that. you see what I'm saying? It feels like, how can I put it? Uh, how can I put it? Like fighting down the weight class, if that makes sense. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I'm just being honest with you because y'all both national masters. Y'all can't. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I totally see what you're saying. I mean, I don't know if he was offered a blitz match. Like, I totally would have been cool with the standard, like ten games of three minute and then eleven games of one minute. Right. Um. He, if if he wanted to do that, then we could have definitely, 
we could have definitely thrown down in the original format. But, you know, the National Master Title D is one of those, it's one of those very misleading titles. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got people like Lionel Davis, who's a National Master, and then you got people like Gopal Menon, who is also a National Master. But, I mean, dude can run with grandmasters easily he's been magnus and blitz he's been he's been pretty much all of the top dogs so i still think when it comes to blitz and bullet within the national master title there's a huge disparity in what you'll see in terms of online strengths okay i agree i can't say nothing about neither one of y'all because i have no initials before my name (laughs) So I'm trying hey, you got a you, you got some pretty good ratings on Lee Chess last time I checked. Yeah, I'll I be trying, I'll be trying, I'll be trying. So, <laughs> like, I'm I'm a big fan of you. I am I'm a big fan of you because you haven't lost a match, right? You're undefeated, right? C- could you remind me of all the matches you won before I say my next comment? So I know, mm, I know okay, I know you beat Angel, right? Yeah, b- first match was against Angel Lopez. <laughs> um, second match was against. Um, I think it was Jason Segan. Right. Uh, third match was against Angel or um, Lamel, Lamel Mac, Lamel McBride. You played Fourth Lamel? one. Yeah, I did play Lamel. We had a we had a cage match in the uh, Chicago versus New York team match. I missed that. Yeah, that 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 one was a pretty fun one. Um, Fourth one was against um, National Master Bach, the the kid. Okay, um, that's probably that was probably the toughest match that I've had so far, to be honest. That kid, that kid's really good. Right. Um, and then the last one was against Canon Master Akeem Brown of um, in the Caribbean okay. match. So okay, yeah. I saw all of them. So you beat LaBelle and Angel. I did. See, oh wow! See, I so how does it feel to be two and zero against the New York crew? Um, it. I mean, it feels good. Both of those, uh, both of those players, Angel and Lamel. I mean, Angel, he retired from competitive chess several, several years ago. I, I view him as national master strength easily. Right. Um, it's just about whether or not he wants to, he wants to go out and get it. Um, and Lamel, you know, Lamel's got his uh, speed. He's He's a demon when it comes to the touchpad. So, like, it, it definitely feels good. I don't take those wins for granted. Um, I think I made a comment where on Facebook where I said this is going to be my easiest match. But, like, real talk, I think Angel and Lamel would, would both be able to beat uh, Lionel. You know what? I, you know what? I've asked, you wouldn't believe but I've asked them both about him, and they said they know nothing about him. <laughs> and they said the same thing you said. They said... That's Buffalo. That's uh, not New York. But yeah, I mean, there's levels to it, you know. But okay, okay. So, speak and stand on the topic with this match before I switch the topic. Thirty bullet games, right? Thirty bullet games, and I'm just being honest with you. You're probably going to go in the favorite from your resume, right? Do you right. have any pressure on yourself? You know what I'm saying? any pressure yeah so the the stuff that i was saying earlier about like the disrespect that i'm hearing from this dude i mean like he's talking he's talking mad shit about players like vichy anand he's talking shit about like grandmaster Tari, who's currently um one of norway's best players uh good friends of magnus he's currently playing in the tata steel masters he's talking smack about all of these like super grandmaster level players and I mean, I came into this match with like no hard feelings, but you got to give respect for the best players of our game. You know, why, what What else are we doing here? So the pressure that I have on myself is if I'm not scoring at least 20 points, I'm going to view it as a disappointment. So I'm going to say minimum, minimum score is 20 to 10. Oh, now I'm going to jump on his side because like, I'm in the chess world, but I'm trying to get more chess and take my chess seriously. Like, my goal is to become a national master. That's my short-term goal, become a national master. I know you have more chess experience than me. Can you be blackball in the chess world? Because that's where I get from Lionel Davis. He feels like he's been blackballed. 
I think it's definitely possible. Um, I've heard I've heard of stronger players like some IMs and uh, even a couple of grandmasters that have definitely been blackballed from tournaments. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know what the story is behind Lionel. I mean, he's he's a he's been around the block for quite a while. Um, I think his his peak USCF rating in like the early '90s was like 2360. So um, yeah, I mean he's he's been around for a while, and like if you if you develop a reputation for yourself, um, you definitely can be blackballed. I I don't know if that's the case for him. Maybe he's maybe that's the story he has in his head that you know I should be some world class player. And the reason I'm not is because I'm not getting any of these opportunities. Right. But I mean, if if you look at his Lee Chess, like his Lee Chess bullet on that Bubba Fisher account, the dude's played twenty thousand plus games, like a lot of games. And I mean, if you look at that rating graph, it's pretty steady. Like he he's basically operating within a tight band of like between twenty three hundred and like twenty four hundred for the most part. So blackballed or not like if you can if you can play you can play and you can't really get blackballed from lee chess unless you're doing something shady so i don't really view that as an excuse for him for him i mean like me being fair me taking my feelings out i just feel like when it comes to him i feel like he has some resentment and some bitterness in the chess world i don't know where it come from because i'm from detroit but i'm just asking you because i know you have more chess connections than me do it seem like he feel like he's blackballed or you know I mean I mean that's what I get because he speaks with highly such aggression and like I always say he calls out names he calls out dates like he said he beat I've heard he beat Mars Ashley I'm just just you know what I'm saying so could it be like he has some resentment you feel me yeah no I totally feel you I was gonna bring up the Maurice Ashley comments that he made um what do they did you know? Do they call it like the Black Black Bear School of Chess? Yeah, the, the yeah Black Bear Chess Club. Yeah. Yeah. So he must have. I mean, he must have ruffled some some feathers uh, in the Black Bear School of Chess or something because he was talking he was talking some mad trash about Maurice Ashley, and I mean, I don't really know where he gets off doing that. I mean, you know, Maurice Ashley. He's he. He's a polarizing individual within the chess world, but I mean, he got his grandmaster title, first African American to get that title, and I like. I feel like a lot of his resentment might be maybe due to the competition in that. Maybe Lionel was trying to become one of the first GMs in the black community. I'm not. I'm not too sure, but it definitely seems like he he's pissed some people off. Yeah, like some some jealousy. Like, for example, I'm African-American. When I think about African-American chess players, I think Maurice Ashley, I think Emory Tate. Mm-hmm. You know, and then me being from Detroit, I have John Brooks. But outside of that, I have Maurice Ashley, Emory Tate, uh, now it's Josh Colas, James Black, James Cannon. Maybe he feels like he's left out. You know what I'm saying? His name is left out when we name them African-American chess players. Yeah, um, probably. Like, I, I mean, I'd never heard of Lionel. And, you know, I follow uh, Daim Shabazz's uh, chess drum. I think you follow it, too. And I haven't seen his, I haven't seen his name mentioned there. Um, and so, like, that, it could definitely be a source of envy for him, where he, he does feel that jealousy for not being left out. But, like, I mean, again, at the end of the day, it's not about, like, what people's perceptions are of you it's about like can you can you can you move the pieces well on the board um and i think the story he's trying to spin is that yo i've been like blackballed and i haven't gotten all of these opportunities but the reality is he's not as good as he thinks he is now i got another question because me and my friend marquise we talked about this now a lot of people think this guy may be off his rocker what about tomorrow he doesn't even show up. I'm, I mean, I want to see the match. But when you're dealing with somebody, you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, then what? <laughs> does that 
you know what I'm saying, take away from all he's saying. I, I'm, I'm not saying I, I don't want to see that happen. But I mean, he like he's I could I could see him uh, I could see him backing out or just not showing up for whatever reason. But I mean, he's got a lot to prove. He he has I mean, he's made some very bold claims about his game. And if he can't beat my simple, weak <laughs> master self, then I mean he's got to rethink. He's got to rethink what he's saying. But I mean, I definitely agree with you. He does seem a little off his rocker. Nah, nah, we can't call you simple and weak because I just saw you put down some clever, clever stuff, and you don't get master master being simple and weak. Nah. Cause <laughs> I, I still believe. See, I watch your games and I watch your stream, and to me. You got tactics, and you kind of you play tactical wild positions. That's why I was like, I can see you and James Candy playing because it's similarities that y'all like playing weird, wild tactical positions, and it would just be exciting. Oh yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. I'm on the same page there. Um, did Did you see Canty's match against Levy Rosman? Yeah. 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 So I, I didn't I didn't end up watching the whole match, but I was watching parts of it, um, especially like the blitz portions, like the five plus one and three plus one sections. Mm-hmm. And what really struck me about Canty, I feel like we're both very similar stylistically in a lot of regards, in that we like to play like these tactical, like crazy fighting positions. Um, but I, but I also felt against Levy, he was really like switching it up. You know, he was, he was showing that he could play positionally, he could play patiently. Um, and so, I mean, I think Canty is a chameleon in a lot of ways. Um, what I will say about whenever Canty and I play online, it usually ends up being some wild, messy affair. So, um, I think for the fans, that'll be a really, really exciting match. And, I mean, hopefully we can get that going later in 2021. Sweet. Now, I'm going to change the subject because I think we've done enough talking about the match. You being a chess player, and for the folks who listen, who are some of your favorite chess players and why? It can hmm. be Grandmasters and just any. Who's your some of your favorite chess players and why? Okay, so I'm going to... I'm going to give credit to my boy Gopal, Gopal Menon. Um, yeah. Probably a surprising uh, a surprising choice when when it comes to like your favorite players. But I'm going to say him um, mainly because, like, you know, they're strong players, right? Right. But that dude, like, first of all, we're, we're very close friends. Um, but he's so, so generous with his knowledge, you know? And... When, he, when you hear him speak, when you hear him talk about certain games, if, when you hear him talk about certain really strong players, certain world champions, um, you can just hear the love of the game in his voice. Like, he's a true scholar of the game. Um, and he has that grandmaster level understanding. Um, he just kind of, I think he needs to put a few pieces together, but... Um, I'm I'm putting him on that list just because whenever I'm talk whenever we're talking about chess, like it reinvigorates my love of the game. You know, one I remember distinctly there was this one night where we just uh, both of us we we had a couple drinks, we stayed up for the whole night, and like around six a.m., he was like, "Hey, have you seen this?" Um, uh, have you seen this documentary on YouTube? Man, I forget. I forget who who it was about, but it was about one of these strong European grandmasters um, around like the the fifties and sixties. Um, and we just watched it. Like that. That was super cool to me. So, Gopal will always get it. And if you can get him on the podcast, you ta- you totally should. Like he's such a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, he reached out to me. Said he's gonna he's gonna uh, come on soon. So I'm I'm grateful for that. Yeah, dope. You, you definitely should get him on. Um, in terms of modern players, I really love um, I really love Richard Rapport, um, the Hungarian super grandmaster. He also has a very um, creative and dynamic style of play. Um, he, uh, Rapport is sort of similar to uh, Joe Bava in a lot of ways. Um, except I think Rapport is like a little more polished version of that. So I really like his game. 
Um, and also another shout out to Gopal. Gopal sent me this game by Bent Larson, um, old school player as well, but very creative. He he popularized one B three as the first move for White. That's why it's called the Nimzo Larson. Um, another very uh, creative uh, player. I, I tend to I tend to prefer players that are. Um, very creative and very innovative over the board rather than the ones that are super you know booked up and super theoretical like doing a lot of the preparation um if you had to if you had to describe it i i tend to like the the strongest players who are artists rather than like scientists right so for example you said i like a nod right if i pronounce the name right they said his prep is like some of the best in the world right mm-hmm so a player like him, uh, you like somebody who goes to the board and kind of like freestyle it and be creative. Yeah, and I mean, I will say that there's a lot of room for creativity when it comes to opening theory. If you look at um, modern correspondence games nowadays, like the, the top grandmasters, super grandmasters are using correspondence games as their prep. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to downplay that. But I would say, you know, stylistically, like. I haven't. I'm a big fan of Anand for uh, for sure, um, but stylistically, like I, I try to like identify myself as different players, not necessarily him. Cool, cool. Now I'm not gonna waste your time because I know you got prep and stuff to do. I, I usually ask people this the beginning of the podcast, but tell me and the listeners how did you get into chess, and when did you realize? That you were becoming a good chess player. Hmm, that's a that's a good question. Um, so when I was a kid, my dad uh, my dad had this like old old ass wood, wooden Indian set. You know the ones that like where the the rooks are carved out like elephants and whatnot. Um, so some like really old school Indian Indian stuff. And so he taught me the game when I was like really really young. And we would just we would just play against each other a lot, um, and he was the only person I really played for the longest period of time. Um, and I think when I was in first or second grade, I started to play in tournaments. Um, and like I was I was pretty decent at that age compared to other kids my age. But really, what got me hooked on and what kind of led me down this path was playing on ICC. Um, I don't know. Do you, did you did you ever mess around on ICC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ICC player. Free trial. Play for four days. <laughs> try to get another one. Yeah. Which yeah. Just I'm one of them players. Making new email addresses to get that new seven-day free trial. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I would say, like, playing a lot on ICC really, uh, really got me hooked. And the rest was just having opportunities to compete on the school teams, high school teams. And it's really become this thing where... I'm less concerned with titles and different ambitions like ratings. I, I mean, I do care a little bit about it, but it's not my priority. What I love about chess more more than that is just the the unique people that you meet. Like it's a social activity, you know. I mean, we didn't, you and I didn't know each other um, before uh, before we kind of met, like through the chess community. And right. I mean, I, I love, I really love that social aspect. And finally, I think uh, the fact that the way you approach the game of chess uh, parallels a lot of ways that you approach the game of life. I mean, it's sort of cliche to say that, but I see it constantly within myself. Um, how I how I play chess really does translate to how I live my life, like how I do things, interact with people. And so I like to use the game as a sort of mirror for me, you know, reminding myself, hey, uh, this is this is kind of my tendency, so maybe let me take a step back and reevaluate. Right. So I'm not gonna hold your ask you another question. For a player like me, you saw me play. I played the cage match with G Wayne over the board. You saw that, right? Mm-hmm. Me and you've played. I'm 19, 13. A lot of people feel like I should already be expert over the board, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think is wrong with me that I haven't got over that hump? Is it a mental thing? What I mean, what do just give me your opinion, give me some advice. What do you think I need to do 
to break that next, you know what I'm saying, level to get to expert. Well, let me ask you this. Have you, when when you're playing your games, like your classical OTB games, um, are you are you analyzing them afterwards? Like, are you are are you using an engine to analyze them, or are you like deeply kind of looking at them, maybe taking notes for yourself after? I'm gonna be honest with you before I ask the question. My friend, uh, you said I'm probably the most laziest chess player in the world. Mm. So before I answer this, I do go over my games. Do I go over my games extensively? Probably not. But I'm gonna tell you this too. Somebody told me that I really don't know how to go over my games and study chess, if that makes sense. Mm. I got you. I got you. I mean, I, I used to have this problem too, D. Like, I, I've been kind of... People have called me a lazy chess player a lot. And I think in some ways it is it was pretty true for me. Um, and I guess I'll tell a quick story. Uh, the way that I became a master wasn't by any groundbreaking um, ways like it, there's no secret method here um, but the what I did was extremely straightforward you know I I started playing a lot of over the board tournaments and mm-hmm. for literally every single game that I played I would analyze it afterwards and like you don't even have to analyze it super super deeply you just need to be able to analyze it to the point where you can say okay this is a list of things that I did really well and this is a list of mistakes that I made and you have to be very like critical of that list of mistakes you can't just say oh I blundered a piece and that's why no maybe try to dissect that a little bit further like I blundered a piece because maybe I was in time pressure or I blundered a piece because I just don't understand like how to deal with this sort of pawn structure or something like that And what you do is, when you have that list of mistakes for a series of games, you look at those lists and you see where there's multiple occurrences. So the mistakes we make tend to repeat themselves. And unless we identify that, hey, this is a mistake, we can't really work to improve it. So I would say for you or for anybody else that is really kind of struggling, you have to figure out what are the common mistakes you're making. It's not about like, oh, I blundered here and I blundered there. What was causing those blunders? Because usually it's a there's a root cause. And then once you can solve that, then those, those mistakes will be um, completely eliminated or severely reduced in all of your games. And that's when you see like a huge improvement. My man. See, my man. See, now I got some work to do because I'm going to play in the overboard tournament. Uh, coming up soon so I appreciate the advice Mm, yeah no problem dude and also one other thing you know if you're if you're kind of unclear on how to analyze your games this is where you know hitting up one of your friends stronger um, can really help you they can identify okay this is where you did you made this mistake because you don't know what you don't know right so right right now the last question because I know you said I'm only borrowing you for 30 minutes, right? No, you're Back good, dude. I, I got time. <laughs> okay. Back to the match, right? You said on the live stream, Lionel Davis plays knight a3 the first move. You said, hell, I may play knight a6. <laughs> he plays c3. I may play c6. He go knight c2. I may go knight c7. <laughs> yeah. Are you joking? <laughs> what that really happened? I mean, he's got to play knight a3 first, and then and then I'll evaluate. But I was not joking. I will say that. Like I, like I told you, I'm, you know, I, I like I like the players that try to be artists over the board, and you know, sometimes that can get you into trouble. It's definitely gotten me into some trouble over the years. But I, I mean, I do this not just to win. Like I don't care. I don't care as much about winning, to be honest. Like, I care about having a good time and entertaining. So, yeah, I, I would definitely do that. And, you know, uh, our boy Canty is going to be on the commentary booth. So we got to give him some stuff to talk about. Sweet, sweet. Now, another question I wanted to ask. You actually played in the first Detroit versus Chicago match. I did. Let's talk about that experience. Mm. How intense that match was. Dude, that, that match, like, 
It was so interesting. Like I didn't know that much about it going into it, to be honest. And I'm I'm really glad I came. So I forget what was the name of the venue that we played at. All the Kings Men Chess Club. All the Kings Men Chess Club. Okay, first of all, you guys got a dope setup there. Like I was, I was, I was shocked, frankly, because, I mean, I don't know what the population of Detroit is, but it's less than a million people. Less than a million people, right? So Chicago is like almost three million people, and we don't have we don't have a place like that here. Like that place was sick. Um, you got you had all the table set up. Um, you had like that book, that library, which had some good books. I think I picked up like one or two books from it. Um, and like, that was very interesting. And uh, just the venue itself, but also just meeting the players, you know, there's something about the reason why, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to make a, if you'll let me, I'm going to make a generalized statement. Um, Go ahead, no problem. So there's a certain culture and I know that the Detroit team wasn't all like African American players, but you could tell there was like that black chess community, that black chess culture. You know, you know what I'm saying about right. black chess culture? No, no, you, you're right because I'm be honest with you. In Detroit, from see, I'm still the younger. You have John Brooks, you have Dexter Thompson, you had Devoy Carroll. So you have let's say we had five, six, seven, two masters and six. 2100s right then everybody fell up under them and they're close knit and they've been playing together for 30 40 years mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm i'm under that branch too so yeah we're real real close right and like there's a certain type of culture uh, and like it obviously differs from city to city but there's a distinct style and just like feel um, when when it, when it comes down to it, and I really kind of gained an appreciation for this when I read um, Daim Shabazz's Triple X Glam, the book about um, Emery Tate and his mm. style, like being hyper aggressive. I love that, you know. I like. There's a reason why I have a lot of like black chess friends because like it's just a cool culture, and you guys are just pretty chill. Um, I really enjoyed that um, that aspect of the match, and you know, I know that I know it was a little bit of a rocky match in some regards. You know, some uh, some disagreements here and there, and like we uh, the match ended up taking a lot longer. But dude, it was a lot of fun. It, it was a lot of fun, and I'm I'm looking forward to when o- over the board chess resumes to be able to do more things like that. Because dude, there's just not that many. There's not that many blitz tournaments, you know what I'm saying? Right. Now, was that you played and how many uh team matches with Chicago? Did you play in all of them? I believe I have played in all of them, yeah. Okay, this is my opinion. I still feel like even though we lost, I feel like Detroit versus Chicago was the best match out of all of them, even though we lost the storyline, the Facebook hype, I feel like that can't be recreated. I don't even Detroit. I mean, Chicago versus New York didn't hit like Detroit versus Chicago. That's my opinion. I may be biased. Give me your opinion. Um, yeah. So I would say, in terms of just like the the feel of the match, like the grittiness of the match, the Detroit match was definitely my favorite. And I actually haven't played in all of them. I, I realized that there was like one or two that I that I missed. Um, mm-hmm. I will say the St. Louis match was a lot of fun too that we had, um, just because they they held that at like the St. Louis Chess Club, um, which is obviously like an amazing venue. But you no, know, that that Detroit Chicago match was a lot of fun, and I'm just wondering when you guys are gonna uh, when you guys are gonna fill a team to play to play as online because that seems to be all the rage now. I mean, you know, it's so crazy. We actually want to do it. We actually want to do it. Uh, we just have we just have to make it happen. The problem we may have is we have like John Brooks is seventy seven. Mm. I can't see him. You see what I'm saying on the computer playing chess. You see what I'm saying? Because yeah. our our older chess players are kind of stuck in their ways, right? Whereas the younger players don't mind getting on the uh, computer. But yeah, most definitely we can make that happen. Maybe a five on five or a ten on ten. But most definitely that can happen. <laughs> Because we're quarantined up here anyway. Yeah, I mean, we have nothing better to do. There was only seven episodes of Queen's Gambit. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. 
Yeah, no, de- definitely. I mean, like, also Atulia Shetty, right? Like, Atulia was part of that Detroit match, the original Detroit match. Atulia you know, is really black. You know, he was raised around us since he was like two. <laughs> I mean, what? No, about six, seven years old. Yeah, I mean, he's been very close to Detroit for his entire life, you know, in Michigan. Um, but I mean, he's, I think he's in like Phil, uh, Pennsylvania right now, but like, you guys can recruit him. I mean, he's native. He's native Michigan, native Detroit, and I mean he's a killer. You guys, you guys have will have no problem filling up a lineup. I mean, uh, t- we probably have Atulia, Mark Hyman, Sophomore, Josh Pasumo. We could we could be top heavy. The problem is with us is, for example, we're going to drop off, and we're going to have not players like Irv Strength because I know. Matter of fact, how impressed was y'all of Irv when that match happened? Because we have a lot of players like that. <laughs> Dude, Irv, Irv was scary to play against. I I mean, I had never heard of this dude before. Um, I think in in my match against him, we like we split, like uh, we both scored one out of two. The first the first game I played against him, like he was just outplaying me the entire time. And then he missed some tactic where I like attacked a piece from one corner of the board, but it was actually hitting two pieces and just, you know, one of those cheap tactics that ended up working. And the second game, he just, like, utterly destroyed me. I mean, I don't know where you found this dude, but very underrated. Yeah, I mean, after they rated that, his bliss rating went to 2200. He's like, I don't even want to play chess no <laughs> But see, Irv is one of the players we have in Detroit. I'll just say Irv is different, but we have a lot of players, I'm not going to say as strong as him, that plays a lot of chess but don't play tournament chess or play one. You see what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? So I just don't know why we like that. You know what I'm saying? We're just known for banging on clocks. It's just, you know, and playing a lot of blitz chess. Our problem is we don't take over the board chess seriously. And I'll say this, in the African-American community in Detroit, we feel like once you broke 2000, you made it. Right. No, I got you. There's a lot of psychological... um pride when you get that two in front of your in front of your number um i think i think it had i mean i'm not an expert at this by any any stretch of the imagination but maybe it's just a matter of like organizing the tournaments you know um nathan kelly i think originally from brooklyn now now he's uh in chicago everyone knows him everyone loves him um he's been doing a fantastic job just building up the scene in chicago but also like uh doing his part online and one of the interesting innovations that he came up with right before the pandemic was this quest to master series of tournaments where he would invite a bunch of players like in the high 1900 ranges to like the under 2300 and they would have like a tournament that lasted two or three days um and he was able to get that organized and it's it seems to be working i think they only ran one or two of those events but it's just about someone willing to organize it and if you can get that then i'm sure that these players will come to play but most of the time people are not organizing tournaments for that you know most people are organizing tournaments to make a lot of money or just like create a big prize fund but if you just make a tournament to make a tournament where you're breaking even then and and it's smaller in scale like it doesn't have to be in some fancy hotel uh it just needs to be somewhere now i've actually organized mm. tournaments. the problem i have is i organize it and play in them mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's what <laughs> yeah it's hard to multitask i'm sure now, before I let you go, I'm going to ask you a question. Me versus Big Pine, and I know you're a Chicago brother. Who you think going to win? Give me the pros and cons of these matches, and who you going with? Oh, that's a great That's a great question. Um, so, I think, you know, Big Pine is one of those players that um, he's, he's obviously played, like, a lot of blitz throughout his life. Um and like played a lot of over the board games for money. Um, I've played him over the board for money as well. Um, I think he's actually like his strongest time control is probably classical. If I'm going to be honest, 
like he's he's a good player he's a tough player over the board in like these slow tournaments i've played him in like chicago open world open a couple of times and i'm always struggling they're always tight battles um when it comes to blitz he's a good blitz player too but i think that's where you and him are probably like a little bit closer and i mean i don't know what your lee chess blitz is now and i don't know what his your, bl- your blitz is 2200 yeah like i'm 2200 in both yeah so i would say he's probably like around there as well um if i recall i think you're a little faster with the mouse than he is so i'm gonna say it's like a complete toss-up i i honestly i think over the board classical he's got he's still got the edge over you on that but when it comes to like a blitz match online, maybe add some bullet in there as well. If you add some bullet, I think you're the favorite. But in the blitz, in a blitz match, I think it would probably be a toss up. I respect that. I respect that. I respect that. I respect that. That was that was the good political answer. You know, I'm gonna say I'm a man. You know, I got it. <laughs> You know I'm gonna say yeah, I'm gonna and I so and I somehow said question. that he would win one time control, it'd be a toss up in another, and then you would win if it's a third. I said everything and nothing at the same time. Now, before I let you go, because this 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 really been a fun podcast, and I'm gonna put this out as soon as we get off. I enjoy it. Hmm. Go, Paul is your man, right? Yeah. And since I've been around the chesting, I always hear Go Paul name gets thrown around against uh, Yakov, right? Mm. I'm not going to ask you if they play, who will win and all that other Oh, they did play. Did you? I don't know if you know that. No, no, I, I didn't. Mm. I did They played like a, a 12-hour match or something in New York, and it came pretty close. I, w- I, won't, I won't reveal any spoilers, but um, they've definitely sparred. Okay, so I respect. So this is what I'm, I'm going to say. Yakov has, let's just say, a world. Can we say he's just a world class chess match, right? We can yeah, Yakov is definitely very strong. And if Gopal's name is running in the same circles as Yakov, I'm, I'm asking this question in the podcast. What does that say about this man's young man's true strength? Hmm. Yeah, so Yakov is like, I mean, he's been an international master for a long time. I think even when he was a national master, he was very well known for his like blitz and bullet skills. Um, he was killing GMs even at that level. Um, and, you know, he's a, he's an IM when it comes to classical chess. I, I don't know why he's not he hasn't been a GM. It might be some um, issues putting things together. Um, what that says about Gopal is... I mean, Gopal truly has that grandmaster potential, and I think, I think it's just a matter of time of when he'll get it. You know, um, I, I think typically uh, a lot of people don't get the GM title after a certain age, but uh, there there ha- there are examples of people getting it a little bit older. I mean, some people say like if you don't get it before you're like 20 or 30, 25, 30, or whatever, then you'll never get it. But I mean, I think Gopal is a very clear-cut example of someone that has that knowledge and has that strength. And um, what that tells me is, like, he just he just needs to put it together. So let me ask you a question. Does he have... I'm not saying he's lazy, because it takes a lot of work. And I know he likes to play pool. I heard he loves mm-hmm. to play pool. Is it matter of fact of him just waking up and saying, you know what, I'm going to do it? Or is he okay with being... I'm just saying, he might be arguably the best national master in the United States. Hell, maybe in the United States. I mean, in the world. I'm mm-hmm. just saying. It's, I mean... I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it's it's really tough. Like, we've talked about it a few times. Um, uh, we've talked about it a few times together. And it's always tough, you know? Sometimes there's... Uh, sometimes there's things just... I'm not talking about him, but just generally. Like, you'll... You'll be really prepared to go to a tournament, and then some crazy shit happens in life that um, really like uh, throws you off, right? Throws you off your game. I know that's happened to all of us in a lot of ways, um, and I think right. I think most of performance in chess and in tournaments in general comes down to: Are we bringing our best self? Are we bringing Are we bringing it all? Are we bringing energy? Um, 
like some small example for me is I know in the middle of a tournament I can't eat like a big meal because I'm going to fall asleep at the board. That's just a simple example of bringing your best self just like I can't eat that much. But there's all of these factors and to really bring your best self, not just in chess, but just in life in general, is really pretty damn hard. And I think when you can do that, like usually when you're playing well in chess, like things outside of the chess board are usually going well too. Um, and so in Gopal's case, like I think it's just about maybe figuring that out. Cool, cool. Well, Akash, like I said, I enjoyed this podcast, man. Like I said, you my man. You know, I'll be rooting for you. I'll be shouting you out. I'll be tweeting you. You know, I'll be supporting you. I like what I see. You know, you famous for the, uh, what's that? Uh, what you did against <laughs> Angel. You know what I'm saying? You put the checkmate down. They need to make that a meme, a chess meme. You know what I'm saying? Get that, you know. <laughs> Stamp certified. <laughs> yeah, I think it's on my it's on my yeah. Lee Chess profile if you if you look at it. <laughs> exactly. So before I end this podcast, let the folks know where they can follow you at. Let them know your stream handle. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I appreciate you being out here, bro. Before oh, enjoy. thank you so much. This was a lot of fun, D. Um, for those of you listening, um, you can find me on Twitch. My channel is just my name, Akash. So A A K. A-A-S-H that's four A's and on Twitter I'm at Akash Maduri that's A-A-K-A-A-S-H M-E-D-U-R-I I'm usually either on Twitch or Twitter nowadays so you can hit me up over there cool man appreciate it I know you're getting ready. Well, you like you said, you're not getting ready for your match because you, you already feel like you got it in the bag. <laughs> I'll do a little <laughs> bit of prep, maybe maybe warm up uh, on the chest to that. Cool, cool, man. Appreciate it. Peace and blessings. Be safe and enjoy. Thanks a lot, day, D. Bro. Peace out, bro. Thanks, man. Thank you. And I'm out.